The strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba. I'm going with the force of forces with me. That's not how the Force works. Well, that starts somewhere. Welcome to the KyberCast, everybody. This is episode number 36, Make It So, the Picard episode. It's January 28th, 2020. I'm your host, Joe Becker, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Michael Diaz. My co-host, how are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you, Joe? I'm pretty good until I saw the bring back of Terminator Dark Fate that you want to talk about. <laughs> I feel like I've talked <laughs> through it. It's kind of like, okay, that's since Michael won't pay to go see long. things. Since Michael won't pay to go see things and has to see it, you know, three months after everybody doesn't give a shit about it, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I did finally see it. You did see it. I'm actually, we're going to talk quickly about that, but I think most of the episode will be about Picard uh, that that launched, I believe, this week, Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember exactly what day. Last week, Thursday. Yeah, last week, Thursday. There you go. And uh, both of us did watch it on time, so it's a timely uh, episode and talking about this. And um, we can get into a little bit of that. So, Michael, in light of all the Star Wars we talked about and everything that you said was bad... Tell me why you like Dark Fate. Uh, okay, let's not go too far. I liked it. It definitely has its flaws. But I was entertained. So, can I say something, though? Yes. Did you like it because you didn't have to go anywhere to see it? You didn't have to front any money to go see it? So your expectations are different. Uh, I think that wasn't the case. Now, I fully admit that maybe my expectations were different just because... It did so poorly, so I was expecting complete and total garbage, and that's no, not what I No, I didn't say it was that when I saw it. I mean, when I saw it, if you remember no, the no, review, I'm not saying you said I'm that. Just I'm just saying, yeah. you know, you know, box office wise, it did not set, it did not, you know, set fire to box office numbers at all. In fact, it, it's a huge tank. If, if, yeah, yeah, if it, Disney, it did I mean, not make the money it needed to. Yeah, when I, it came out from 20th Century Fox, so I think Disney just cut it and said, let's just get it out there. It's their last money. I don't know how much, probably millions. But well, What's uh, funny is, you know, and the, the headlines of it is, you know, uh, Star Wars didn't do so well, and it made $1 billion, made its money back, and did just fine. It didn't do what, you know, a lot of, like, you know, other Star Wars films has done, but it did fine. It did enough. It did enough, you know, should it have done what... Infinity Wars and Endgame? I don't know. It's arguable. But this flopped yes. much bigger, and it did not get the headlines of like, oh, my God, Arnold is, doesn't have it anymore. Terminator's done. Like, they didn't do any of that since it just kind of came. A few people saw it. They reviewed it, and then no people saw it. Well, to be fair, th- did you ever see Genesis? Yes. It's terrible. It's so bad. Yeah. So it's hard. It did worse than that, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I did, which is surprising because Genesis actually did well enough overseas right. that they actually considered doing a sequel still. Right. But 
this one, Look, I mean, nothing gets. I was geeked. Me. I was geeked to have Linda Hamilton back, and I was geeked, you know. But boy, all right. So tell me your thoughts because we already talked about mine, and I'll just, I'll just uh, go from there. I mean, I'm, I'm totally going to tell you that it, it took a play right out of, took entire pages out of the playbook from The Force Awakens. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fan service. It's a lot of retreading what we've seen in Terminator 1 and 2. Now, for the purposes of this movie, they completely ignored Terminator 3, Terminator Salvation, Terminator Genesis. That is all ignored. Right. It is no longer exists as far as this movie is concerned. Right, right. right. So, it was very much a greatest hits of T1 and T2. And they changed the bad guy a little bit in that. So, right. spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, which you probably haven't because no one has. <laughs> but, spoiler alert, Skynet was the big bad in 1 and 2. Right, right. Now, what we learned in the first couple minutes of Dark Fate is that, yeah, the future was altered. But not, it was, the future was not canceled out. So an AI still came to power, but it was a different AI and the same results happened. So it had a little bit of a flavor of uh, that final destination film where you can cheat death, right? Only for so long. I didn't see any of them. So the same thing, another AI, this one called Legion, took over and destroy the world, just like Skynet did before. Why they had to change the name, I don't know. Because it's the same thing. And then instead of, uh, you know, Arnold with, you know, what, being an 800 series T1, what, T101? Right. T- 800, yeah. yeah. T800. Arnold. Um, or was it T800 101 series? Anyhow, he's still in it. Um, and this new one is kind of like a mix. It still has an exo, or yeah, it has an exoskeleton with the liquid polymer stuff, except it's all black. So it's kind of mixed between the old school Terminator and the T-1000 we saw in T-2. But again, because the future was tweaked, another AI came to power and had the same exact thought for some reason that if I send a robot back in time, I can remove any impediments to my power. Now, what are the chances that happening? I have no idea. It seems pretty, pretty infinitesimal that the same thing would happen, but that's what happened in these films. So all that to say... It's a retread, no question. But I thought it was an enjoyable retread, just like The Force Awakens. Right. I, the difference for me is I cared about the characters in Force Awakens. I liked Ray, and I cared about Ray, and I cared about Finn, and, you know, grew connections with them. I didn't care about any character in this film except for maybe Linda Hamilton because of nostalgia. And I didn't really care for the way they wrote her, but it was fine. She did a great job. And the only character that had any kind of substance was Arnold, which shouldn't have. The the hero of the story, the girl, was like tofu, bland, terrible. Like she was fine as an actress, but it was but the stories was she was it was boring. She was nothing. I cared nothing for her. I agree. The the biggest twist was again. These are all spoilers, so if you haven't seen it, you've been warned. But the big twist being that. You know, I thought for sure, and I could have sworn in the ads leading up to the film 
I thought there were some pretty heavy hints that she was pregnant. Now I'd like to go back and watch those trailers again and see if if they actually shot it different and shot it to make her look like she was pregnant. Because I swear I thought she was pregnant. But she's not. She's not giving birth to the next John Connor. You find out she is the next John Connor, if you will. Right. She is the state. Right. It's not a very big twist, but I was I was like, all right, well, okay. But that's it. That's kind of like the depth of her character. You're right. She's not a character that I really got emotionally involved with. I mean, she's just thrown into things, and I don't know. I mean, I don't want to throw shade on the actress, whoever played her. I didn't look it up. She was fine. It's not about she that. Was, it's about it, it was the writing and the pacing and everything else about it. it. There was no time to learn anything about her. They gave her 10 seconds at the beginning to show that she has a family, which you know is going to die because they showed the family. And Exactly. You know, it just... it. I thought, you know, with Cameron being involved, he wouldn't do this. So you can't even blame... 20th Century Fox or whatever, because Cameron was involved. So he what doesn't care. The director. Well, no, I mean Cameron was involved, right? So like, it's not a canon. Hey. Pro- it's a writing. He was part of the writing process. The direction is fine. It was an action movie, and they directed it, and you know, there's some nice sequences. But as a story, as moving the Terminator story forward, it didn't do anything like that. Um, you know. Anyways, I. It, I didn't hate it. I mean, it wasn't like I was pissed off when I left. I was like, okay, it, you're done now. We, we've exhausted Terminator. There's no ever reason to go back to it ever again. Which is um, funny because because you, you can't do it. Well, they they kindly. I mean, kindly. They they pretty obviously set it up to be a new trilogy or a new series. But then they did kind of paint themselves into a corner because it's like, well, why, why? Why would it be a new series? At least send more Terminators if, to find her. Um, yeah. I, and then if right. so, they killed off Arnold, who was the early warning system you found out. Right. So, no, there are definitely a lot of things not great about the movie. I will not I will not die on that hill trying to say it was a great movie because it was not. But I, you know, and maybe, like I said, that's it. Because... I knew it got bad reviews and did terrible box office. I expected complete garbage. And I have to admit, I was entertained by the Rev-9. I I thought he was cool. I thought he was a badass new Terminator. Other than that, I mean, it was, for me, very popcornish. So you turn your brain off, you watch it, and yeah, there are some scenes I'm like, no, no. But in the end, I thought it was, I thought it was decent, but... It doesn't matter because we're not going to see anymore. <laughs> no, we're not. All right. Well, I mean, we disagree, but not really. I mean, we're just kind of splitting hairs on, on well, I think what it is. You're just right of center. And I'm just left of center, however you want to put it. You know, if if liking is 50%, I think you're around 45 and I'm at 55. We're really not that far apart. I just liked it marginally more than you did. Yeah, because I paid for it. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't pay for it. There you go. That that's why you're happier with it. I'm telling you, that's part of I it. Would have, I would have had no problem paying matinee prices or morning prices. Here in town, we've got that local AMC theater with the big seats, and you know, if you go before noon on the weekend, it's like five thirty nine. I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have felt shorted if I had paid that to see it. Now, if I paid, you know, 
10, 20 bucks that you usually do to go to an evening show on the weekend, I would have been pissed. You're right. I would be like, nope, not worth my money. All right. Well, let's move on because I think there's a lot of things that are worth our money, even though we got to watch the show. Um, let's talk about uh, Star Trek and Picard that launched on Thursday. Michael, you're the you're the expert at Star Trek of this show, and that maybe of you know the universe, but obviously of this show. Um, maybe one day <laughs> we'll have thing. our friend. Maybe one of the one of these days we'll have our friend Rudy on if he wants to be on, and I, hopefully he listens to this and see if he wants to talk Star Trek one day because he was kind of. Uh, digging on me saying you guys talk about Star Wars a lot but not necessarily Star Trek so here we go Rudy we're going to talk well, about you know to be fair you know based on the name we are kind of star we lean towards Star Wars you know yeah I do that's, I mean this is well, yeah. why I started you know wanted to do a podcast to begin with so but that said in our defense you just recently watched Discovery yeah I, both, both seasons I started watching it one after we started the podcast, and I fully admitted and anticipated that I was going to hate it, and I ended up loving it. So, and, other than and, that, and I liked though, it. I mean, I, I liked it, but I'm never. I don't feel I'll ever be pulled into Star Trek like I am in Star Wars. I mean, I no, just you're never going to be a Trekkie. It's not in your blood. No. Now that being said, so, tell me, tell me your your initial thoughts of Picard. I thought it was okay. Now, hmm. <laughs> now, if I'm being me, which I am, when I say I thought it was okay, that's not the same. Take it like an okay plus, and that I'm okay and I'm positive about it. Whereas it was pretty clear with the Rise of Skywalker, I was okay with a negative connotation, right? So I think so, but I think you were going you were going in with that attitude to begin with, but that's okay. Yes, well. Maybe, maybe not. I wanted to love it, but that's not what this podcast is about. Um, Picard, I expected to like it just because Picard is my favorite of the Star Trek captains. Um, mm -hmm. So the reason I say it's okay, I had no problem with it. And the story was fine. Everything they did was fine. It's just, it's been 20 years since Picard, maybe 18 if you're, you know, counting, splitting hairs. But let's just say around about 20 years since uh, Picard's been around, since we saw Patrick Stewart being Picard. Mm -hmm. They had to bring everyone up to speed. So there was a lot of exposition in this episode, but there kind of had to be. So in that, in that regard, I kind of took the episode kind of like... Uh, well, the Mandalorian, I think you, I think everyone was super hyped for it, and I remember I said it was like a what a B B plus that first episode right. for me. Right, you did. So again, a little bit more of that, just because you know, there's always the hype, there's always the excitement, and sometimes a show is going to live up to what you want, and sometimes it doesn't, and most times it doesn't. Right. So it's not that I it wasn't even that sounds wrong because there wasn't anything about the show that I didn't want or didn't like per se. It's just that they're putting the pieces on the table. They're setting up the world. They're probably going to do more of that in the next episode. And unfortunately, that takes some time, and it's not especially enthralling. So it was good. It just wasn't great. But we might get there kind of like we did with Mandalorian. Okay. I mean, I I, I know where you're coming from. For me, I liked it a lot. I actually watched it twice. Um, 
And the reason I liked it, because it wasn't very much like Star Trek. <laughs> I didn't have to worry about a damn ship. I didn't have to worry about any of that same, that every season has, everybody has some, you know, great ship they got to worry about. To me, I liked that it was very human, very human story. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Very, uh, uh, ironically about an inhuman synthetic, this kind of synthetic play that's going to happen, I think play out. It's very much almost Blade Runner-esque, you know, I think there's a undertone yep. of Blade Runner of, of, you know, the, something went wrong with synthetics and, you know, that's very clearly a Blade Runner um, take, I think. Um, well, not just Blade Runner. I mean, well, same director, Ridley Scott, uh, you know, he had Ash and Alien. Right. And you had Bishop and Alien. So there's, it's, I don't want to say it's an easy trope to do, but no. it kind of is. I mean, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, true. Um, but I thought it was really human. I thought, and it's really because of him. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Um, he really has the gravitas to pull that show off. And I really liked the interview, Eric. That was, that was one of the best where it brought him out of, you know, it gave us the exposition that we wanted. It was a nice way to do exposition of him being interviewed by the news and then being, you know, they're not going to talk about it, but then, they, you know, they kind of cornered him and, and kind of ticked him off. But um, I thought that was a really good scene. And um, I don't know. I, I'm looking, really looking forward because after the show, they show the, you know, what's going to happen in the season and, you know, um, and, and I was kind of, and I'm going to jump around because I don't really, we didn't really say how we're going to talk about this in order. So, um, well, we can, well, we can I, say, I do have, let, I, let, let's go I through your list. But my overall thing was, I, I really enjoyed it. And it's, it's making me look forward to the season and pretty, this is one of those things I'm probably going, you know, because it's, it's not so Star Trek right now, you know, um, some of the tropes that are in most Star Trek are not in this. And I, I really liked seeing, you know, because I did watch Next Generation. I don't remember a lot of it, but I did like seeing these home at Picard uh, at his, his wine place. And I know they had the uh, Chateau Picard wine in some of the seasons, correct, of Next Generation? I think so. Yeah. So, I mean. They at least, they at least referenced the vineyard several times. I mean, we we knew from generations that his uh, his brother and nephew died there. Right. So let's go through what you've planned for us and how to talk about it. And I think that's a really nice way to do it. Well, I think I think you've kind of led into it already and touched on it a little bit. And one of my first things I want to talk about was who who is this for? Who is this Star Trek for? Obviously, you know, there is a bit of a hook for old Trekkies like me who know who Picard is. But, you know, it's been 20 years since the show, so... Is this show for noobs that are people that are new to Star Trek or maybe just watch Discovery? Or is it for the hardcore Trekkies? And you're not a hardcore Trekkie, so... No. Is it, is it for someone like you? I don't know. I actually... It's, it's tough to... I'm... I don't know if it's going to draw new people in yet. Um, I'm excited for it probably more so because he played Dr. X... And then, you know, and Picard from the past. And it's really the actor that's bringing me into this show. Do, but I think do I might... you mean Dr. X? Hmm? You mean Professor X? Yeah, Professor X, sorry. Um, no, it's okay. I didn't, I didn't know who you were. Sorry, no, you're right. Uh, yeah, Professor X, Xavier. Um, 
and it's the actor that that kind of brings me into this thing. But at the same time, I did watch um, Next Generation for a while. I mean, I wasn't a, a diehard towards it, um, but it's really him that's pulling him in. And you know, if they can if they can keep me going, then I think maybe they'll get younger people. They need to find a younger base. Like CBS needs to find a younger base to watch these shows. Maybe, maybe they don't. Maybe there's enough of us that that like it. That that. Uh, well, maybe you know, the very fact that it's a streaming show, I think, lends itself already to a younger viewership because that's that's how that's how people watch. You know, that's how people watch TV now. Right. But they got to pay for that. This is not going to draw. I guess if if CBS wants new people to pay for it, they're not going to get much new people other than Star Trek people. I would think. You make a good point there. Even though I didn't pay for it, but I, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> um, I'm, I'll just say I got to watch it at a friend's house. Who does pay for it? There you go. Me too. I know that he paid, you know. Me yeah. too. Anyways, as a Trekkie, as you, I, I see you're, you're, you're a Trekkie to some extent. I yes, wouldn't call yes. you, you know, maybe you are. I don't know. Is does it? Is it, do you think it's made for you? So... Like, uh, I think this show is more 70-30 to the newer viewers than it is the older viewers. And the reason for that is because even though they might not have that clear, that clean slate, there's enough of it where you can springboard the series into what happens next. And sure, there are things there that older viewers or people that watch the original series or not the original Next Generation things that they see that they're going to glom onto and realize, okay, yeah, that was in there for me because I'm a geek and they're, you know, thank you for doing that. But really you don't need to know that stuff. And for example, um, so the episode kind of ends with the Romulans on a big, massive ship that we saw. Yeah. That was, now that you was cool. not being a tricky. No, it was the Borg. Did you get, was it, was it, was okay. So you only, it was an old Borg ship. Well, I watched next generation. I mean, I watched, you know, I, that was one of my favorite storylines is that, that whole Borg thing. And my question actually asked uh, our friend Rudy, I asked, you know, are, is, are the Romulans part of the Borg or are they just, you just know it's an abandoned ship. But I don't, I think it's more than that. Maybe. I think it's an abandoned ship as well. Um, we don't know where what's going on with the Borg in the last 20 years. Obviously, they have not come through and assimilated the whole Alpha Quadrant. But I, I am curious. I mean, there are a lot of questions. Well, I guess when you um, play with like the Borg and synthetics, I'm just trying to put those two together because isn't the Borg like an AI kind of thing gone wrong as well? Synthetic. Yeah, I mean Borg is basically short short for cyborg, right. or you know, so cybernetic being. So I, I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of relation in there because, again, I'm the old guard, and I don't. You watch Next Generation, so maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. But oh, I think we did mention this the last episode, didn't we? That um, there was a section, a sect, not a section, a sect of Borg that were liberated, that were led by Lore, who was Data's brother. Okay, so I now, don't remember talking about that, but I'll take your word for it. Maybe not someone else I talked to, but anyhow, um, I probably talked to another geek about it. So the point is. In Next Generation, we did see their Hugh, who was, you know, liberated in a way. Um, do you remember who he was? Or do you not remember him? I don't. I did, to kind of catch up to the show a little bit, I did watch Star Trek Nemesis film, where Data's 
Oh, ouch. <laughs> well, there's some good things and there's some really, really bad things and Tom Hardy. Um, <laughs> yes. Very young Tom Hardy. A very young Tom Hardy. Um, yes. But no, I mean, I think there was a decent story, but it wasn't a very good movie. It wasn't very well done. Anyways, but Data does die in that film, which I assume that this other Data at the end of it was, is that considered his brother, right? And that's who you're talking to? Okay, so Data actually has two brothers, if you will. Um, so the way they kind of added Nemesis, Data uploaded his consciousness into the older android before B4. he blew himself up, right? Yes, and a lot of the thought was because wait, wait, not, if not, not, not to cut you off, because at the end of that Nemesis, which is interesting, he sings Blue Skies, and this series starts off yes. with Blue Skies. Yes, yes, good catch. I'm glad you caught it. So yes, so the fact that B4 starts singing Blue Skies mm-hmm. kind of makes was kind of like a a hint that maybe Data still existed right. in there somehow, and that eventually data would come back into before's right so one thing that was interesting about this show is that boom they shut that down now right that is not happening right no so in next generation i mean i don't want to go super detailed into the show but the gist is um hugh was a borg that got separated from the whole collective and he came on the enterprise and he developed started developing his own personality and then there's this whole discussion of whether or not they could they were going to upload a virus into into Hugh to when he so when he went back to the collective and infect them all mm. and destroy him. And, it's, and they decided no, that's inhumane. We can't do that. So they just let Hugh go back, and it, inadvertently, his independence was kind of like because he formed a personality and was his own person for a few days. That independence and free will was a kind of virus, and it did spread throughout the collective, and then a bunch of other Borg chose to disconnect themselves from the rest of the Borg and have their own free will. And they all kind of, they didn't really know what they were doing. And they all kind of collected on this planet. I don't remember what the name of the planet was off the top of my head, but they didn't have leadership. So here steps in lore, who is data's evil oh, twin. Right. Everybody know. has an evil twin. Right? And he led them. Yes. I mean, come on. So, he led them, but I believe Lord died in that same episode and was done for. Got it. Um, and we haven't seen him since. Okay. So there is a connection between synthetics and Borg, right, is what stop. I'm trying to say. So we already know he was going to be on this show. Interesting. I, I think they're going to go somewhere there. I don't know. Um, I will say this. Um, this is a kind of a interesting side note. How old are you, Michael? Do you want to say? I'm old enough to know better, but okay. don't. <laughs> well, I guess what I'm getting at is that... I am solidly Gen yeah. X. How about well, that? I'm when solidly When Star Trek Next Generation started, Patrick Stewart was 47. And it just kind of blows my mind a little bit. Because, you know, I'm a little bit older than him now. I'm, I'm, I'm older than him when he started that show. And here we are. I feel like it was yesterday. You know, <laughs> so it's kind of strange to see him come back at... Um, you know, 79, 79 years of age to to do a cool show. Um, and uh, that could be you, Joe. You could be just right around the corner the of 79. Oh, great. <laughs> um, that is true. That is true. Too, too much yeah. testosterone. But the point is, is, you know, this character has endured 
through that time, which is a testament to uh, the Star Trek fans and uh, the show and what, what people enjoy, that it could be resurrected this quickly. And now when that show came out in what, 87, I think it was, then I looked it up roughly. I think, yep, that, that sounds right. So that puts people, that, uh, that would be, so if they were, wh- what age do you think? So this goes back to the discussion of who this is for. That's why I'm kind of bringing it up real quick. Um, those people at that age that kind of gravitated towards the show, it wasn't us, right? Is it us? Or is it? Yeah, well, here's the thing. I wanted to watch it. You know, I was okay. 14-ish, right around that age, somewhere around there, maybe younger. I was 17. The point is, so. I really wanted to watch it, and I did watch it when I could, but the fact of the matter was I was in junior right. high or high school. Eventually, other things took my interest, sure. like girls and other things. So I, I did not sit at home. It's not like how it is now, where, you know, Five years ago, you could DVR anything right. and you could watch it later. And now today, oh, you can just stream it whenever you want. So had I had that opportunity, I probably would have watched it back then. But I didn't. And if so you let, missed it, you missed it. Unless you wanted so to. Let's say the average VCR person it, so. was 15. And those people are now, you know, our age, basically. So I don't, I, I don't think, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think this show is meant for new, new, new Star Trek people. I think it's meant for our generation. Of people, and maybe we show our kids. I don't know if kids would actually like this first episode, um, but anyways, let's uh, let's move on to the next uh, topic of this that you've chosen. It's like three things that we liked. Well, no more than three things. You don't have to have three. But what did you like? Him. I mean, I, the whole character in and of itself uh, again brought me to a really good space, and I want I want him to succeed. I see somebody that is. Um, the twilight of the years, obviously, and still wants to do things to help people, no matter if that person's real or not. There's got to be, there's something touching in a story where someone's, you know, still has a life worth living at no matter what age. And it's, it's, it's a very compelling part of the story. Um, I'm going to agree with you because, and maybe I need to rewatch it to see if it's me imagining this or if it really was this way. But, when the series starts, Picard's a yeah. broken man. He and has been broken for decades now, it seems. You know, he left Starfleet, or the way he put the Starfleet left him, he didn't leave Starfleet or whatever. But if you notice, I mean, the guy's 79 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Or Patrick Stewart is. But once he gets into this mission... There's like a renewed vitality in his eyes and his actions and even how yep. he holds himself. And again, I might have to watch the episode again, but if Patrick Stewart was able to subtly imbue that sense of brokenness and then vitality again in his acting, I'm Oh no, 100%. Impressed. You've nailed it. I mean, he did do that. The people that were chasing Picard and the synthetic girl, those were Romulans in the black outfits, right? Yeah, the Tal Shiar. Right. Which so that was know, my whole point. Is that, that's just the Romulan secret police? Okay, I didn't know. You know, I had no idea. They just like black stormtroopers. So, um, so this whole storyline was a bit. I did like the storyline of this young girl coming to her. Doesn't know why. It's very. Um, it's not new, but it is. You know, he's going to help this person. I, I thought maybe he jumped on it a little too quick, but as the, you know, the the kind of unfolding. I liked the unfolding of the mystery of. 
him figuring out through dreams and paintings and that he was she was Data's daughter somehow. Which is also interesting because Data did have a daughter briefly. Okay, I didn't know that, so Yeah, she um Data built himself a daughter and then Picard and everyone's like, Well, who said you could do that? And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry, uh did everyone else on this ship ask you before they procreate? <laughs> oh wow, nice. So, I mean, he may not have said it quite like that, but he was something along the lines of, I didn't realize I needed permission to, you know, create offspring. So, right. but she ended up dying, um, dying, quote unquote, her positronic brain couldn't handle it or whatever reason. She evolved very much faster than he did and got really super smart. And then unfortunately was a bright shining light and then gone. So he is, this is not his first daughter. Okay. So it'll be interesting okay. to see if there's any kind of connection there. Now, were any of those paintings in any of the other stories, or is that just for this one? You know what? I, I, I'm I, not a good enough tricky to say, oh, yeah, I remember seeing that. I want to say they're just from this, but now that I've said that, every Trekkie that's listening to this will tell me whether or not I'm right or wrong. That goes back okay. to the old internet adage. Don't uh, ever ask a question on the internet, because people won't tell you, but but state something and then everyone will tell you when you're wrong. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, um, full disclosure, everybody, we're having a bunch of technical difficulties today with the, the way we record our show, uh, via the internet, which is having a bunch of trouble with the, the service that we use. So forgive us if this is a little bit jumpy as it will be edited as best I can. Um, so in order to keep things moving, I want to make sure that Michael gets to say a couple of things that he likes of the show. Well, first off, uh, the acting is fantastic from from John or not John Stewart, completely different from Patrick Stewart. Like I said, just the way he goes from defeated old man. I mean, when the episode started, I was like, man, I I know Patrick Stewart's almost eighty, but God, he's really looking old and acting old. What happened? But then, as the episode progresses, I mean, he's still he's still almost eighty. But like I said, yeah. that vitality comes out a bit more and he seems more like the Picard I'm used to. And many, many, many dozens, if not hundreds and thousands of people online have been saying, has this guy aged since 1987? So well done on Picard. So I just want to throw that out there that, yeah, I, the acting, the way he was able to personify that was fantastic. Loved it. No arguments here. Zero. That's um, it? It's the only thing you liked? No, no, I, I like <laughs> that's it. Do anything I liked about the show. No, I mean, um, I've got some things I don't like because I always do. But mm-hmm. I guess I'm just I like I like. Okay, this is gonna sound weird, but I like the potential for Starfleet to get back to where it was. If that makes sense, right? I don't. I, and, Maybe I need to explain myself a bit in that. But we don't really know the, the the entire state of Starfleet yet, right? We just know that it's not what it used to be. Right, and they've hinted very strongly that Starfleet has become very isolationist mm-hmm. in the 20 years since. And, you know, Starfleet was always supposed to be, you know, the, the standard, the utopia. But that said, you know, the fact that it's not is not a new thing. I mean, the whole point of the show so, has been that there's this idea of what the Federation should be, and it's been about 
fantastic captains like Kirk, like Picard, like, you know, Cisco, like uh, Janeway, that uphold the ideals a, of the Federation. I'm sorry, go ahead. Did we get a star date of when this takes place? I know it's the close of the 24th century, but I don't know if I, again, I'm just going to say no, how, he didn't. So, so that I'm way, asking, I guess I'm asking, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm asking, I'm asking questions because I'm kind of leading to a, a point. I want to see if it's possible. When did Next Generation begin in relation to the original Star Trek show? I want to say 74 years after the original series. So only 74 years. Okay. I wasn't sure how much of a difference of, of time passed. So my next question would be, is it possible that – I know that at the end of spoilers for who haven't watched the Discovery series, shut this off, they are thrusted into the future. Correct. Will they meet here, you think? No. I mean so that much it's that much further, right? Yeah, so remember Discovery takes place ten years before uh, Star Trek. The original series, TOS. Right. Right. So if we're looking at if just ballparking, I don't know if they gave us a start date, but if we know that next or TNG started seventy four years after the original series. And then the series went on for seven years, now give or take a couple of years for the movies. Let's say 85 years, then 20 years since, at least. We're ballparking somewhere around 100-ish years since um, since we've seen, since um, Discovery, right? Give or take a decade or two, mm-hmm. but about 100 years difference between Discovery and Picard. Now, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Discovery, we know they launched 900 years into their future. That's what I couldn't remember. That's why I was, that's what I was yeah. getting to. The, so they, they were that we're still ahead. about 800 years away. Okay, so no, no, I thought maybe they would try and converge both shows into some cool, like, like, like Discovery would be Discovery would be the one to bring Starfleet back because they came from the past and, you know, that kind of thing. Because if it was if they lost their way, kind of thing. You know, with time travel, who knows? My my initial guess is no. Okay, that was kind of a tangent. Sorry, we went on that. No, that's fine. Um, so what, what, I, I, I kind of cut you off as to what else you, you were liking on the on the show. Well, so the, I reason I, the reason I mentioned the, you know the the idea and the the utopia of the Federation is like I said, some people want to say that's what the Federation is and has been, but it hasn't. It's been these captains that held up those ideals and standards and showed what the Federation could be. And without someone like Picard in the Federation, the Federation is that much weaker for it. Now, some people have already said, I don't know if I like this darker timeline where the Federation is isolated, you know, an isolationist, you know, entity now. And that, uh, you know, some people are like, yeah, I'm kind of for a dark Trek. And some people are like, no, that's not how the Federation should be. But let's throw some context into this, okay? Um... So yeah, Romulus was destroyed, but you got to remember that's only. So a f- did okay. Let me ask that question here. When did that happen? Um. Well, it has an exposition from this show, or is it something that I should know about as a as a Star Trek? You movie? should know. You saw the J.J. Abrams okay. reboot, right? Is it part of that yeah. storyline? Is I thought that, that okay. So those are all together. Yeah, I so, wasn't sure how tight they were. Okay, if that you know if the JJ things were tangents or if they were now canon or I don't know how that works. Well, let me explain. So I'll, I'll get because they had the time. They had the time change or whatever. You know the the branch. They did. So I'm gonna give you a quick thirty second synopsis. So in current Trek lore, 
if you're going from next generation, about 10 years ago was when the supernova was going to come and destroy Romulus. Uh, Spock, during the same timeline as Picard, was trying to help stop the supernova from happening. And Picard was at the same time working to get the massive fleet to get people off Romulus. Then mm-hmm. the Now, in this timeline, we know that the synthetics attacked and that ruined the fleet. And then that Federation said, no, we can't mount this rescue. And then the supernova happened, destroyed Romulus. Okay? That happened. When that happened, though, that's when Spock got thrown back in time as well as what the Naratu or whatever, the uh, ship, the Romulan ship. Got it. So that was the that was the um, flashpoint, so to speak. Yes. So both the Kelvin universe or the rebooted from JJ split from that into the past, which made their own timeline. But going forward from that, that's where we get Picard. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I appreciate that. Not a problem. So, all that to say, um, you know, the, the Federation's isolation. You know, and it has this isolation. I can't. Screw, I keep screwing up that word. Isol- isolationist. <laughs> right, it's hard. Um, but when you take it in the context, so the Romulan thing just happened ten years ago in the, in Picard. But before that, within ten years of that, was the whole Dominion War. Which, if you didn't watch Deep Space Nine, there was this massive war where. Um, you know, the Federation broke ranks with the Klingons and they started fighting again. And then mm. they had to kind of pull the Romulans into it. And then the, um, the Cardassians sided with the Dominion. And there was this massive war. And finally, the Federation and their aligned um, parties won and beat the Dominion. But it was a huge, huge war. And so. I can see why now people would like, you know what, we got we went through a lot of shit in the last 20 years. Maybe we just want to kind of back off for a bit, you know? Mm-hmm. I can see that, you know? But again, this gives I mean, them... Not, yeah, not all, enemies, not all enemies have to be some other species. It could be an enemy to themselves for a while until they solve that. I mean, that's a, that's a fine storyline. I mean, it's not dark. It just, it, I mean, it's, you know, it could be great. I hear you. I mean, Rome, I mean, Rome kind of ate itself, you know, it was a great empire and it wasn't completely outsiders that did it in. It was a lot of infighting within Rome. So not to say that the Federation is Rome, but you know what I'm saying? The same thing kind of can kind of be happen, you know, it can happen in our own country. You think we could be divided like, you know, 50, 50 and nobody believe each other and (laughs) (laughs) right. But at least we'll have the United States, Space Force. <laughs> For those that want to Google that, you'll see why I made that reference. <laughs> well, is there anything else you, you liked on the show that before we move on to the what we didn't like and then kind of keep going and um, um, push this? Well, you know what? I'm going to say this. I, I know I have it later in the list as, throw, as far as throwbacks, but that's one thing I did like about the show was that there were enough throwbacks like I said, you, you seem to think it's for the older Trekkie. And I kind of see your point, but I still think that it's still 70-30 newer Trekkies, people brought in from Discovery and whatnot, younger people that like streaming, 
And yet, mm-hmm. they're still going to throw a couple bones to the old guard like me. For example, when Picard went to the research facility and he saw B4 in the case and found out Data was still uh, talking to a guy named Maddox, that could just, that, you know, to someone like you, that probably just sounded like, okay, that was some doctor that worked on synthetics, right? And that's probably all I'm yeah. you, right? Yeah, exactly. And then they say, oh, Data kept in contact with him for all those years. Uh, Maddox is not just a throwaway name. Back in season two of The Next Generation, Data went on trial, if you will, and had to go to court to prove that he was a sentient being and should live and not be, he wasn't just a machine that could be controlled and owned by the Federation. And Patrick Stewart, I'm sorry, not Patrick Stewart, um, Jean-Luc Picard defended Data in court, whereas Riker had to be the prosecutor, if you will, and the person that was trying to say that Data was a machine was Commander Bruce Maddox. Got it. So he was the opposition in court. Right. So to find out that him and Data kept in contact for decades afterwards, after this guy basically tried to say, you're a machine, you're a piece of furniture, you know, it was kind of like, I don't want to, it was kind of like the, you know, cybernetic, synthetic Dred Scott case, right? Whereas, you know, in Dred Scott, they said, well, you're a slave, so you're property. That's right. what kind of they tried to do here. And the fact that they threw that name out there was a huge little, a huge little, it was a huge Easter egg to a fan like me that says that goes all the way back to 1988 in season two. Right. Right. So I like that. I mean, that. Yeah. I think it's cool. I mean, that just shows it's like any other long legacy type show. They're going to go back and look at the stories and what can they pull and right. um, push and that through. There are a few other things, but there's one more thing I want to throw out there. Right before Picard goes on TV, he goes and he, he kind of strains himself up in the mirror. Go back right. and watch that scene if you have a second. If you look, in the mirror behind him, there's a coat rack, right? Okay. And on that coat rack is a um, oh, it's, it's a hat. What do they call it? What, what does Indiana Jones wear? A fedora. There's a fedora on the coat rack. Or a trilby or something along those lines. You know, a hat like a private eye would wear. And the way it's hanging on the coat rack, when Picard puts his head into the mirror, it looks like the hat's on top of his head, which is an awesome throwback. Um, Picard loved to go on to the holodeck and do these uh, holo novels where he played a private investigator, a private dick, in San Francisco back in like the 30s, I think it was. Got it. So that was a nice little, you know, wink and nod and, you know, check this out, you know. And it's a, it's a visual thing and it had to be intentional. And I caught it and I was like, that was awesome. So again, another thing I liked was just the little, little bones that they're throwing to older fans like me. Cool. I mean, I can't deny that. I mean, that's the stuff I wouldn't pick up. That's 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 why I think it's more for you guys than than for me. Um, I may be able to go. I think this is one of those things. It's kind of like when, let's say, uh, a band has a late hit, like a new album that is later in their career and it somehow catches the zeitgeist of younger people again, and they kind of go back and actually find their catalog. Or, you know, like uh, Robert Plant does a an album with you know 
a different person. Like, who's that guy? They, 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 he's to, to most people, he's a backup singer for someone. And they're like, oh, well, who's Led Zeppelin? You know what I mean? It's kind of like that kind of right. Maybe, maybe, maybe the show could do that for for Star Trek. It's possible. I mean, it got me to watch Nemesis, and I wouldn't. You know, you know I have a hard time watching Nemesis, and I'm a Trekkie. <laughs> but I mean, it was it's still canon. It's canon, so to speak. Right. So, so unfortunately, you have to know it. And that is the last. You know, I asked. I asked Rudy this, and maybe I'm, maybe I didn't ask her right. But is that that is the last film they did as Next Generation, right? That is correct. Some of the things that like it kind of bothered me, and I think it's going to bother me because he's not even on the show yet. It's not fair. It bothered me in Nemesis. It bothered me in Star Trek: Next Generation. Is I can't stand number two or number one. Sorry, what's William his Riker? name? Right, Riker. I just there's something about him. He's like. It's like Robert Goulet or something. I just can't. <laughs> okay. I, he just bugs me. Like even in Nemesis, he's just, he's just kind of a sleazy looking dude. And I just I never. I I just think it was you know it's my own personal thing. I just never dug that character. And they're gonna bring him back, and his hair is all jacked in this one. I'm like I don't want to see him. But <laughs> that's funny. You know, I don't have a problem with him. He was definitely in Next Generation. He was very much the very ego Kirk type. Yeah, character. that's exactly what it is. Maybe because it's, he's like a, a Kirk, a Kirk wannabe and, and Kirk wasn't that great. <laughs> I mean, he was in the old show. I mean, that's just his character. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's like a, it's like a bad Shatner and that's, that's probably the, you, you, you probably hit it in the head and I don't need to see that. I don't know. It's never like that character. Well, <laughs> on the surface, yes, he is like that, but, you know, throughout the course of the show, not that I want to review all of Next Generation, Riker had a really good character arc, and there were some things that I really liked about it. And you kind of see that, yeah, he's got that very Kirk-esque exterior, but there are a few things that happen throughout the course of the show that show you a greater depth to the character, and I think mm-hmm. you'd appreciate it more. Now, you'd have to go back and watch all 140, 60 episodes of Next Generation. <laughs> but now I'll just do that over bourbon with with Rudy. He just finished watching them all again, so maybe I could, maybe I will. I don't know. There's so much more to watch. I, I'm I'm probably not going to. It's a good series, you know. Yeah, but those first so, two seasons are kind of rough. And I, I, you know, that's that's really the only thing. And everything else, I I really did like. I liked um, even. I like that it was a small show. I like that they didn't have to worry about effects craziness. I like that they built the world of Earth a little bit, um, and what it looks like now. I like that, you know, it, it still looks very clean. You know, Star Trek's always been a clean show for me. Nothing really looks lived in, um, which is probably why I like Star Wars more. Like it looks, you know, things are dirty in Star Wars. Things are clean at good places, but Star Trek it always seems to be like clean like demolition man clean you know i can see um, that i can see that and you know who's doing all the cleaning like they don't show the people that are doing the work kind of thing so robots i don't think they do a gr- huh robots robots actually i don't know there's not a lot right. of robots so <clears throat> yeah maybe. maybe there was maybe. one thing so you're gonna tease me now for being nitpicky probably but i'm gonna be nitpicky probably. So, one of my biggest things I did not like about the show, and again, 
I get that it's pedantic and it's nitpicky, but it bothers me and I it pulls me out of the show, and that's why I have to bring it up. So, in the span from Next Generation that began in 1987 to the end of Voyager, which was much later, um, about every two to three years, they changed the uniforms. They went from right. the spandex and Next Generation to the actual jackets and same color scheme. And then at some point, you know, on Deep Space Nine, they switched the color scheme where everyone had, whereas before they were all maroon or blue or gold with hints of black. They switched it so they were all black uniforms with hints of the color instead on the shoulders. And then they switched it again for the movies and for the TV shows where everyone wore gray tops and then the color was on undershirt. Like I said, pedantic, I know. But obviously they've established Starfleet, you know, from the original series had different uniforms. Um, Enterprise had different uniforms. Discovery has different uniforms. And you see how in Discovery they're shifting to a uniform similar to the classic uniform from yep. the original series. Yes. Yeah, I like that. That's what I liked about this show. Part of one of the things I liked. That they were shifting to the, the uh, version of the standard uniform from the original series? The, the 60s uniform when Pike puts on the captain's gold kind of right, thing. Right, right, right. Which, uh, which is still another take, not exactly like what we saw in uh, Abrams' movies. But mm-hmm. similar enough where we all get it, right? So here's my issue is that we still still see people when start when Picard goes to Starfleet, there's still people wearing the uniforms we saw on Next Generation and on Deep Space Nine. And I'm like, so oh. they didn't change the uniforms in twenty years, whereas they were changing them every two or three years before then. It just I know it's not a huge deal. But they did new uniforms for Discovery, and I was okay with it. And I like that they're showing the segue to a classic uniform. But it seems like every single Star Trek show gets a new uniform. And then they broke it with this. And for some reason, it just bothers me and more than it should that in 20 years they didn't change their uniforms, which I know, again... I'm I'm being that geek right now, and I know I am, but well, I we'll can't see. Get over we it. don't know yet. Maybe maybe those are there's a reason for that. I mean, I, I get it. You're looking for continuity, and you know, different uniforms. People can do their cosplay and pick which era they are and that kind of stuff too. So we'll see what they do with this. So that's really that's it. But, that's the big thing I didn't like. And like I said, the episode was very expository, but it had to be. I'm okay with that. I'm looking forward. I'm not. It hasn't diminished my. Uh, eagerness to watch the series again. I Mandalorian kind of started a little bit slow and then got really, really, really good. So I'm hoping the same from Picard. Yeah, I'm look, really looking forward to it. I'm, I will watch the show. It's good timing. It's in between Star Wars stuff. February coming up. Clone Wars is coming up, and that's a great preview, by the way. Anybody out there should really watch that preview of the end of the Clone Wars because it looks good, really good. It does look good. I admit that. I didn't watch the Clone Wars much past the first season. And I admit that that preview looks pretty awesome. Yeah. So you should catch up before that goes. Yeah. That's, I think this is going to be a great show for, for the Star Trek people, you Trek people. Um, (laughs) And maybe it'll, uh, maybe I'll jump on a little bit of the bandwagon. If the stories are good, the stories are good. It doesn't matter 
what fence or what you know where where it comes from but you know they got to keep it human if they're going to keep it with me so no problem with that i think you want to be a more human show because it's it is picard it's not necessarily all about being on a ship and jump from place to place so i think you're gonna get what you want joe cool and with that being said we're gonna kind of jump off this podcast a little you know uh, as quickly as we can because boy we're getting a ton of problems with this website so again I we apologize for any disjointed kind of conversation that you find in this podcast if you've listened to us before my god we thank you very much and if you're new to us this isn't technically as bad as it usually goes but we thank you for listening in and hopefully you know if you have some thoughts of Picard or any other uh, thoughts that we've had on this episode or other episodes hit us up on instagram twitter or facebook you know shoot us a message or a tweet um you can find us at kybercast we'd love to hear from you um a few people are out there interacting with us and i I gotta i gotta tell you i love it i love that people take the time to listen to the show that have the um thoughts that uh to send us when they do listen um it means a lot to us uh it really feels good and we appreciate every everyone that listens and, and, and joins in um so thank you all for listening michael where can people find us when they want to listen you can find us on your favorite podcasting app of course we're going to be on apple podcasts just look for us on whatever app you prefer look for either kybercast or other kybercast we're on every single major and a few of the not so major podcasting apps well said, my friend. Well said. Thank you, Michael, for putting up with this goofy technological disaster of a podcast today. <laughs> it happens. We're all good. Cool, man. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. We are out. I have spoken. What a piece of junk.